But there's a lot of scripture just to point you to where we're talking today. So I'm going to start in the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. The very first uh, words in your Bible, at least the ones uh, there by God, not the publisher. Um, And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. So what he's saying here is that the earth was formless, it was empty. Uh, In the original language, those words can even be synonymous with chaotic, meaning there was no order to anything, just chaos. There was no systems, there was nothing that you see today, just void, dark, black, nothing. And in verse 3 we say this, we see this, And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And so as you continue to read through the rest of uh, the chapter 1 and in chapter 2, God's creative account, God's word goes out from him, it goes forth, and he creates. So from God, he creates by sending forth his word. And what was empty, what was barren, what was dark, what was chaotic, becomes full, becomes alive, becomes beautiful, has an order to it. Because God sent forth his word. And then in verse 27, it says this, So God created mankind, God created people in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So we see at the, the, the end of God's creation, he creates people. He creates man, he creates woman. And you can continue to read the account. He puts them in a garden, all those kinds of things. But the thing I want to focus in here is he creates mankind, people, in his own image. Now there's a lot of uh, you know, questions. People like to argue like, well, he made, God made mankind, people, in his own image. Was God male? Was God female? Was God white? Was God black? Right? What do we, and people seem to focus with the external image of God. Well, it doesn't really say any of those things. But the reality is, the image that Scripture is really talking about are the unseen images. We're made in the likeness that separates us completely from the rest of His creation. Things like intellect. Things like reasoning. Things like uh, your will. Things like emotions. Wisdom. These are things that are synonymous, that are made in the image and likeness of God as well. And so, we were created, both man and woman were created in the image, in the likeness of God. And then through Adam and Eve, you know the story, the knowledge of evil was introduced to humanity, okay? Which was a deviation from the image of God. In God, there is no evil. So when when evil enters the knowledge of man and woman, it's a deviation from God. And then through that, chaos was reintroduced to the creation. The chaotic, the disorder, the 
the, the randomness, the deviation from the nature of God. And we don't have to argue this point. We all know that this world is chaotic, right? We all know that there's evil in this world that is not in the image of God. So there's a huge deviation from the image of God. And so at this point, now that you know this, I want to show you something about the nature of God. And that's, that's the sending nature of God. And we're going to look through some scriptures. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, we see God uh, speaking to Abram, who later becomes Abraham. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's house to the land I will show you. So he says to Abram, Hey, go. I'm sending you somewhere. And he says, I will make you, verse 2, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. So God speaks to Abram, and God sends Abram from what he knows, from his comfort area, from his home, from his culture, from his people, from his, his father's household to a land that he knows nothing about. But he sends him, and not only does he just send him to go, he sends him with a promise. So we see that God sends Abram. And, you know, we don't, I don't want to stretch this out to, too much today, but we see that that's the beginning of God's promise and covenant with people that Jesus ends up coming back and fulfilling that through all people you'll be blessed. So God is beginning something here. Then we see in Exodus chapter 3, uh, at the end of Genesis, um, we, Joseph went to Egypt as a slave. Uh, God's people were rescued out of uh, famine. They, because of that, they, they set up shop. They made their home in Egypt. And then the Israelite people flourished in Egypt. And then what happened is uh, a pharaoh, a king rose up who got a little jealous and worried that how well they were doing and began to enslave them. And, and the Israelites cried out. And so in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. That's a lot of ites right there. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So we see that in the midst of their suffering and in their pain, they cried out to God, and God sent Moses to deliver them out of Egypt from their oppressors. In fact, this verse says, God says himself, I have come down. I've heard their cry, and I have come down to rescue them. And you can read the account. You probably, it's familiar to you as, as the Israelites as Moses pronounces this, uh, God provides in miraculous ways. He sends plagues, 
which convince the Egyptians this is necessary. Uh, God comes out and rescues them. We sang them in one of the songs today. He parted the Red Sea when they were up against, uh, you know, ready to be decimated by the Egyptian army. God parts the Red Sea and they're able to escape. He provides food in the form of manna and quail in the middle of the desert. And he also provides water multiple times for them as they're traveling. So through all this, God is sending them provision. He's rescuing them. He's, he's sending them out. He's sending them Moses to help them. And then in Exodus chapter 24, verse 12, the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay here, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and commandments I have written for their instruction. So we see then at the end of Exodus, God gives uh, through Moses his commandments, his commands. And then you can read through rest of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, how these commandments are flushed out in the life of the people. This is important that God's word and, and law was given through Moses because up until this point, uh, they only knew God through what they saw in creation and through what their leaders told them. And so now a whole other dimension of who God is, is is on display now for the world to, to know and to figure out. This is a huge momentum. God's pulling back the veil a bit and saying, hey, this is who I am as a God. This is what separates me from all the other gods that other nations are worshiping. I'm the real God and here's who I am. It's huge. It's big. And as we march through the Bible, through the book of Judges, as we get into 1 Samuel, we see that continually God is raising up and sending leaders they call them judges, to the Israelites to help lead them through hard times, to help deliver them from enemies, to remind them of God's word. He's sending them. He's raising up and sending them leaders to help keep them and guide them as they follow him. For Samuel, we see that after Israel demanded a king, God sent prophets to warn and to correct and to speak for God. And that's really from that point on, uh, when Second Samuel on, uh, there's so many judges become the minor, or not uh, prophets, I'm sorry, the major and minor prophets. Um, if you're ever wondering in the back of your Bible, they're not in the order that God sent them. So if you're reading through the Bible and you're like, wait a minute, um, Malachi the prophet and Jeremiah the prophet and Ezekiel the prophet, like the way they're listed in the Bible is not the order that God sent them, so... Um, that's just a good study thing for you to figure out their order. <laughs> Let me show you an example of this. In Second Chronicles twenty four nineteen, although the Lord sent prophets to the people to bring them back to him, and though they testified against them, they would not listen. He's complaining uh, about the Israelites and saying, hey, the Lord sent all these prophets to help you and guide you and warn you. And the focus of this verse isn't the negative side of it, it's the positive side that, hey, the Lord sent all these prophets because God is ascending God. And one of those which, um, which encouraged us this morning as a worship team, uh, um, um, Malcolm showed up this morning and said, I have a scripture I want to read this morning that God's put on my heart. And Malcolm shared Isaiah 6.8. And... I had Isaiah 6, 8 in my sermon this morning. So we know that God is speaking to us today. Amen? 
Amen. Isaiah writes this, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. And all of the prophets that you read about in the Old Testament uh, were sent in a similar manner. God raised them up. God empowered them. God spoke to them and said, Go on my behalf. So God is sending uh, the prophets to speak on his, beha- on his behalf. And Isaiah is a, a great example of this. So God sent judges and leaders. He sent prophets to warn. But he also did things like sending people to help deliver. And one of those is Esther. The story of Esther, the, uh, if, you read, if you've read Esther, the Israelites are, are you know, um, being ruled and somebody has it in for them. They want the race wiped out. And so uh, they pass a law and they have all of these things to wipe the Israelite people completely out and off the map. But Esther is an Israelite and she becomes queen secretly. And her uncle approaches her at this time and says, and is encouraging her to speak to the king on behalf of her people. And he says, For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will rise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. How do you like that promise from God, huh? And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And we love to quote that. But this is an example of how God raises people up in his foreknowledge, and sends them to help deliver his people. So God sent Esther and put her in this position for just that time. He sent her uh, uh, as a means for the Jewish people to be saved. I hope I'm not boring you this morning. I just want to show you the repetition of the sending nature of our God. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, Malachi prophesies, and he says, uh, and he's speaking on behalf of God. And he says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. <clears throat> Who's that messenger who goes and prepares the way? It's John the Baptist. And you can read about that in Luke chapter 3, that John goes and he prepares the way before Jesus comes. And he preaches and he speaks uh, the, the word of the Lord, the message of God. That's a woodpecker, just so you know. I hear it every day I'm here. Who else does God send? One of our favorite verses as Christians in John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Probably the best thing that God the Father ever sent was Jesus Christ, his Son. He sent Christ not to, right here, to condemn the world, but to save the world. You see, from the beginning, this deviation uh, of the nature of God, who we were made in the image and the likeness of God, and and when we had the knowledge of evil, that was the first deviation. And we've continued as a people, as a race, a human race, 
to just deviate from God. And so God sends His Son, Jesus, on a rescue mission, really, that He's been setting up all this time from, from Abram to, uh, to Moses to the prophets to the kings of Israel to His people. To, he's been setting this mission up, sending, 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 going forth to this point. So Jesus Christ comes. But God's sending doesn't stop there. In John chapter 15, verse 26, Jesus is saying this. He says, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to the Father, from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. So, God the Father sends Jesus, and then Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to be with us, to comfort us, to lead us, to guide us, to empower us, to do all of these things in us and through us. So I hope you're seeing this sending nature of who God is, this constant ascending and sending forth and all of these things. And then, of course, we have Matthew chapter 28. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What is Jesus doing? He's sending. Who's he sending? He says this in John chapter 20, verse 21. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. What does all of this say and point to? That our God is an outward-focused sending God. Okay? It is not what He does. It is who He is. It's a big difference. God, His actions, what He does isn't send. He is. It's, it's His nature. You, if you take the sending part away from God, you don't have God. Just, just like God is love. You, if you remove love from God, you don't have God. If you remove the sending nature of God, God doesn't exist because God sends. He's outward focused. There is nothing in here where God is selfish. Where God says it's about me, I'm sitting back in my, my lazy boy and people are serving me and I'm building and acquiring and I'm using these people for for this opulent palace I'm built. There, there's nothing. God is sending. God is speaking from creation. He is speaking forth. His words, what's in God, is leaving Him and creating. It's going out from Him. So let me challenge you in this this morning. If we are made in the image and the likeness of God then in our restored, redeemed, reconciled, new identity in Christ, we are an outward-focused, others-first sending people. 
It's not what we do, it's who we are. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says that in Christ we are a new creation. You see, our old nature, our old creation uh, is synonymous with the deviated nature of human- humanity. Where, where, we, where at Adam and Eve, we deviated away from the nature of God and the likeness of God, and, and that just set us on a trajectory to get farther and farther and farther away from God. Um, not your fault, handed down to you, handed down to your, we, we all can go back and blame Adam and Eve, okay? So don't assume the fault, just say this is the reality, that my normal nature, you know, humanity is a deviation away from God. And it's God's design, it's God's uh, desire to bring all of us back into him. He originally created us in his image and his likeness, in the purity of that, in the beauty of that, in the wholeness of that, without any deviation in sin in our life. That's God's desire for you and for me, because what he created initially was perfect. And I don't know if you've looked around, but humanity right now is very far from perfect. So God's desire is to get us back to that. And he's been on this mission from the beginning, from really from Noah. And this new creation that he talks about, in this new creation, what do we experience? We experience forgiveness. We experience restoration. We experience empowerment. We experience healing. Spiritual, emotional, sometimes physical. We experience a new life. Uh, a new outlook on life. We experience uh, these gifts that God gives us through the Holy Spirit. We discover these things. We experience a peace. We experience love. We experience community. We experience so many more things. The blessings that we sung about this morning, the face of God is now turned towards us and not away from us. There's so much we experience in this new life. And as being receivers of these things, full of the Holy Spirit, and our new nature anchored in and reflecting God, then we, we are an outward-focused, others-first, sending people. It's not what we do, it's who we are. It's a big difference. Because I can do something for a temporary moment. But then when I walk away, whew. you know when you get worn out, it's because a lot of times you're, sometimes what you're doing is not lined up with who you are. And that's part of what we, we're trying to do as a church when we're talking about it, uh, becoming your calling. How has God created you? What, what, what kind of outlook has he given you? What kind of gifts and skill sets and experiences and passions? And let's match those with the activity of God so, so when you... When you are pouring out and sending and giving, it's life-giving instead of draining. Right? I know when I have to do the things I'm not good at and I don't like doing, if I have to do those a lot all day long, man, I am worn down. You wouldn't want to be around me. 
So this morning the question is this. Matthew 10.8, Jesus said, Freely you have received, freely give. Right? And so, if you have the nature and likeness of God, if you've been made in His image and you're striving to be... uh, Now, I know we're not perfect, right? This side of heaven, we struggle with that. We're striving to be like, like God, like Christ, and live in His nature, but we're not always successful, And that's the sanctification piece, the striving to be like God, leaving the old life behind. In the striving to be like God, let me ask you this. What goes out from you? Just like God, who goes, what comes out from him is creative. It's love. It's beautiful. It brings uh, order to chaos. Right? It, it brings life and not death. Like, this is what comes out of God and goes forth. If you are made in his image, what is it that comes out of you and goes forth around you? Is it synonymous with the nature of God and what he's given you and created you? Does healing come forth from you? Does forgiveness come forth from you? Does life come forth from you? Does justice come forth from you? Does peace come forth from you? Does light come forth from you? Does love, does joy, does kindness, does patience come forth from you? Does generosity and reconciliation come forth from you? These are the nature and the things of God that when we are ascending uh, nature, these things come forth from us. It's not what we do, it's who we are. When there's chaos and we step into it, order happens. When there's injustice and we step into it, justice happens. Right? When there's an absence of love and hatred and we step into it, love comes forth and changes the situation. It's because it's who we are. It's not what we do. We don't decide I'm going to love this moment and the next moment, whew, I'm so glad I didn't have to love anymore. No, no. You are love. And the moments you're not loving is when you're falling into your old nature and you need to repent and say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm not reflecting you well. Let me step in to the nature you've created me to be. As a result of the things that we have received from God and others, going out from us, and I'm going to quote David Bosch, a, a minister, and I just loved his line and how he explains this. He says, when we do this, we are announcing and demonstrating what the reign and rule of God looks like through Jesus Christ. That's powerful. Am I announcing with my words and demonstrating with my action what it's going to look like when Christ is ruling? If Christ were ruling in this relationship right now, what would it look like? Well, love and forgiveness would flow well, then I need to demonstrate love and forgiveness. If Christ were here right now, what would our relationship with the kitchen look like upstairs? Well, in heaven, there's no hunger. And Jesus fed the multitudes too. So I'm going to feed people. What if somebody's down and out and they're having a problem with depression and they're lonely? What, What would it look like if Christ was ruling here? 
well, Christ would step in and be a friend and encourage and walk alongside. Well, then that's what I'm going to do because that's who I am. It goes forth from us. And part of this process is allowing God to change us into his image. We often ask, well, why do I need to become like Christ after I get saved? I mean, God loves me just how I am. Right? We hear those all the time. Well, God loves me just as I am. Don't judge me. You're, you're correct. You're correct. God loves you just as you are. But God invites us. If you notice, rarely in Scripture does God himself step down amongst humanity. No, he raises up, he reconciles, he redeems, he changes, he anoints, he empowers a person and sends them out to do his work. Guess what? That's you and me. We're ascending people. What goes out from us is the very nature of God. And if I take an inventory and I say, man, if the, who I am, how I'm thinking, what I'm doing, how I'm responding is not synonymous with the nature of God, something's wrong. I'm living in my deviated version of God. I need to step back into and seek reflecting God well so that I can announce and demonstrate to the world around me what the rule of Christ looks like. It's who we are. What goes out from you? What goes out from you? And I'm not here to to make you feel bad and judge. I'm setting a bar for you. A standard of what God wants. We all fall short of this. But the falling short of this does not justify us staying there. The falling short isn't an excuse for us to just say, oh well, throw up my hands, this is just who I am. The falling short of this is like, no, God has made me better than this. I'm stepping away from that again. And if we find ourselves falling into that, we say, nope, I'm stepping away from that again. Because there is no judgment in Christ. You are free. We've been talking about that. Like, you are free to live as God created you. To live, you're free to live for Him. The sin He's already forgiven. The condemnation doesn't need to be there. But the desire to announce and to demonstrate what the rule of Christ looks like is, our, is, is the driving force behind why we seek to be like Him. So the world around us may know. And, I, and, and, and you, you can have your opinions, but the, right now the brand of American brand of Christianity is falling very short of what the real reign and rule of God is going to look like when Jesus Christ comes back. Falling very short. And if the body of believers can't take on and clothe ourselves with the nature of God and do the work of God, how will this world ever know what that's going to look like and be drawn to that? It's certainly not going to be through words because everybody's talking and nobody's listening in our society right now. It's going to be those who can demonstrate it by their actions. 
all the things that we've been ministering the last several months, the gifts that God has given us, the, the healings, the, the, the being called, being in his presence and giving us so much, it has a personal benefit, but it's not designed to just stop with you. It's designed to be, to be, us to be living waters would flow out of us. It's who we are. So that the world around would look and say, I don't necessarily agree with them here, but I can't deny that I would love to live in a society with a bunch of those people. Because there's love, there's peace, there's justice, there's nobody goes without food, nobody goes without shelter, nobody goes without clothes. Uh, people are taken care of there. That's the kind of community I want to live in. Our God is ascending God. From, from Genesis 1, he, he stepped into chaos and spoke, and what came forth from him created order and beauty and awesomeness. And I tell you, that's what, you all know I go hiking. One of the reasons I love hiking is because when I stand on a precipice of a mountain and I look out, I am, I am awed. And God created that. That feeling I have is, is um, awed at him. <clears throat> so if we have taken on the nature, if we've been created in his likeness and in his image, then we are an, are an outward-focused, sending people, which is the definition of agape love. It's a sacrificial, others-first love. And so this morning... I just want us to reflect and ask ourselves, am I, what goes forth from me? What do, I, what do I present to the world around me? Is it the nature of God? Or is it some other deviation that's not really 100% synonymous with who God is? And if you see the difference, if God reveals to you like, hey, this arena, this, that, or, or encourages you and said, yes, this is why you're doing what you're doing. You're, man, you are catching hell for that. But you are demonstrating to the world around you what it's going to look like when I come and rule. He says, you will be persecuted for that. Well done. Keep going. That's going to happen. And we're called to stand in there and say, nope, this is what it's going to look like. I'm going to love regardless. I'm going to speak regardless. This is who Christ is. And there are going to be people who hate that, who persecute you and oppress you for that. Keep, keep doing it. And then there are the things that come forth from us that do not reflect who God is at all. And these are the things that we bring to God and we say, God, I don't like this. This is my old self, my old nature Help me get past this. Heal me. Let me step into your nature that I may announce and demonstrate you correctly. So we can take a few minutes this morning. Sean, do you want to come and play something?
I encourage you to just find a spot where you're not distracted. If you can do that right where you're at, um, let's take a moment and just respond today because as soon as we walk out these doors, life is going to hit you in the face. And, and the, the moment we have right now where God is speaking to our hearts and saying, yes, I, I need to reflect God and, and what come, I need to be concerned with what comes forth from me. Uh, this moment, this opportunity for you to connect with God right now will be lost. So let's take two or three minutes. Just ask God to, to speak to you, to encourage you if you're standing for Him and, and you're getting just beat up about it or... Or, hey, this thing about me, I really just doesn't reflect God well. I'm a bit selfish. And that's not the nature of God. I, I can be a bit angry. And the people around me pay. It's not really the nature of God. Lord, I'm concerned with what comes forth from me. today as we looked through scripture we were reminded that your very nature is to send to, to, to send forth to go forth to, to create order where there's chaos to, to bring life where there's death to bring light where there's dark and Lord, you created us to do that same exact thing. Yet, yet man, human, humanity has deviated from that and we've become all sorts of things. And Lord, many of us have received you and we're, we're striving. It's in our heart to be more like you. To, to clothe ourselves with our new identity in you, to reflect you well around us. That's at our heart, Lord. And as today, as we look at your, your word, we realize that we too are ascending, others-focused people. And so, Lord, we're concerned with what we're putting forth, with what we're sending or not sending. Lord, we ask you today to, 
help us be aware by your Holy Spirit would you reveal to us the arenas and the areas that what we're sending forth is, is not you but something else. And then Lord, not that we just would realize that but that you would give us the strength by your Holy Spirit to move beyond that, to step out of that old identity and into our new identity with, with what we're sending forth represents you. Not so that we can give ourselves a medal or a pat on the back, Lord, but that, that our, our family, that our, our friends, our, our neighbors, our world could see what, what it's going to look like when you fully come to reign and rule. That they would catch a glimpse of what love is and what justice is and what compassion is and what patience is and generosity and reconciliation and kindness and all of these things that are synonymous with your Holy Spirit and with your nature. Lord, we lean on you for without you we wouldn't know any of these things. We would just find ourselves far from you with no idea how to get back. So Lord, we're thankful, we're grateful that you came and died for us reconciled us back to God the Father, gave us a new identity in you. Gave us life and peace and healing and all of these things and and love. It's out of our appreciation for you, Lord, out of our commitment, out of our love for you, we ask you, Lord, to lead us. Lead us as we engage our our family. Lead us as we engage our workplace. Engage with us, Lord. Be with us, Lord, as we engage the places that we play and live. That what comes forth from us would reflect you and your kingdom. I thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing in us and through us, for the healings, for the growth, for the for the, the work that you've given us, for the gifts, for the discovery of these things, for the opportunities to use them, for the, for the life that we feel when we're right with you, for the so many blessings we sang about. Lord, we thank you. We're grateful in our, in our hearts for you and for all that you bring through us. Pray, Lord, as we go out from this place that that your spirit would go with us, that you'd continually uh, heal us and direct us and guide us, provide for us, Lord, all these blessings that you promised us. Help us, Lord, to to stay on on the path towards you and the path of growth. Protect us, Lord, from any of the schemes of the enemy who desire to tear us down and make us ineffective. We praise you and we bless you in your holy name. Amen. Amen, church. God bless you. It's good to see you today. Um, feel free to be